born with a weird butthole. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Agitator. Today on the show, we are talking 1997's Studio Ghibli, Hayao Miyazaki, written and directed masterpiece, Princess Mononoke, with the one, the only, E. Rathkey, who has... That's him with the with the weird possessor of the strange butthole. <laughs> Somebody's got to have a weird one, as he's as he's known throughout the lands. Oh yeah, how's everybody doing today? I can't complain. Uh, just hanging out. Had a birthday dinner tonight with my family. Yeah, happy early birthday. Thank you. Yeah, we did a uh, hibachi, just to get in the mood of agitator. Oh yeah! First time bringing our son to a, a restaurant like that. He was like, before they came out, he was like, "Why are they gonna cook in front of us?" I was like, "It's gonna be fun," and it was fun. They did that little train thing with the stack of onions. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like that shit. They got the, like, the steam coming out the top. Yeah, this guy did fire actually. So he uh he lit it on fire. It was cool. Oh yeah. Our our hibachi is garbage because it's multicultural. It's like run by Mexicans. <laughs> and uh it's it's really bad. That's like kind of how it is up here. So we don't we have you know Chinese restaurants, Japanese restaurants, everything. But the only real Asian community here are like uh Vietnamese people and Hmong people and Hmong people those who don't know are like a, an ethnic minority in the former or who used to be a big population in vietnam but they left after the uh the various wars that happened over there um and they came here for some reason that's where we put these refugees from a tropical area is in minnesota but so they run all the asian restaurants which is kind of funny so they're the they're mons, like the uh, mons are the bad guys and scalped. That's how I know the mons. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, making I, them the bad guys is like that's cruel. I need to get like, back to that. That whole well, the good guys whole, are Native Americans, so it's like you know. Yeah, what you trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> Who whose side am I supposed to be on, and who am I supposed to be offended for? All of them. They Every, say everybody because it's they, everybody because it's written by a white guy. <laughs> and the, <laughs> And they drop in bombs left and right. It's pretty much. I need to get back to reading it. That's like the best comic ever ever made. Scalped. Yeah, scalped. It's called scalped name. too. You should know right off the bat. It's like really. Uh, <laughs> it's really culturally sensitive. Dude, it was written right before the hammer fell on that. So Jason Aaron was able to get his masterpiece comic book out before that was no longer cool. And scalped is, if it was Japanese, it would be perfect for agitator because it's my personal favorite example of a culturally appropriative art object. Cause like I brought that to my uh, native American studies uh, professor whom I love and I gave him the first volume and he gave it back to me. He's like, ah, uh, like, yeah, I don't know about that, man. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it's that beautiful moment where you can clearly see that jason aaron has a lot of love and respect in his own way for and like he's trying to make them as cool as possible so yeah. like the lead character is named dashtel bad horse and he has nunchucks and uh you know it's all like 
him and Red Crow and you know the the white guy who's like one sixth Indian whose name is Diesel because you know like Diesel engine get it? Uh. Uh, <laughs> it's uh it's good man it's good it's really pulpy and fun and completely buried it's just like like nobody like Jason Aaron writes Wolverine and huh. you know mainstream comics now it's like we just don't mention Scout yeah it looks like it takes place here it's the Oglala Lakota. Um, Mm-hmm. that's, that's mm-hmm. the that's the tribe that's here um yeah. my buddy is a uh his, his like great grandfather was a um oh shit now i can't remember cherokee oh, he's not crazy he's not crazy horse but he's a uh, he's like crazy horse's cousin i can't remember right now that's sick sitting bull that's who i was thinking of damn okay still sick yeah sitting bull is cool he's like a he's a cool ass dude yeah. We yeah. fuck with them, <laughs> so that's so that's our uh, that's our plug for scout. That's our scalp segment on the Agitator podcast. We had to <laughs> <laughs> we had to work that in there somehow. Yeah, I always uh the the more like American shit that seems appealing, I'm always like, God damn it, why can't you be Japanese? Like, because the only thing I really have time for is like Agitator shit. So I want to watch Blonde, and I'm like. So, like, did Marilyn Monroe ever, like, fuck a Japanese guy? Or is there some <laughs> kind of way to work this in? Because, yeah, they've been, they've been hyping this as a, as a Inland Empire, Lynchian, dark. All the hype for it has gotten me kind of primed to watch the movie. But right. I don't know when I would watch it because, like, you know, it's either Gus time or writing time or agitator time. So it's like, where does Blonde it. fit in? Let Gus. <laughs> Come on, Gus. We're gonna watch this lady get fucked. Yeah, exactly. She got some big old boobies. <laughs> <laughs> and that book is by Joyce Carol Oates, everyone's favorite person to hate on Twitter. Yeah, who's too ugly to write that book? Apparently, according yeah, to Twitter, she's too fucking ugly. <laughs> she's like, she's like, you're too, you're not, you're non hottie. And I looked at her, and the first thing I did, bro, is I looked at that profile picture, and I was like, girl, that's how I not, felt. I was like pot calling the cattle black here it's funny when people who look like that tell other people that they're ugly that used to like <laughs> I, re- I remember that in high school where like you know there'd be some girl who's like you're ugly and it's like have you seen yourself mm-hmm. like I, I i know what i look like but you must not know what you look like because <laughs> like, and are- the dudes never did that because dudes never cared who was ugly or what. like if you're a guy and you're calling somebody else ugly that's just stupid you know you call your buddies like oh it's like oh you're retarded or whatever but like you don't say like you're ugly you're always gassing up your homies you're like no bro you're good yeah like a fucking king let's go get some pussy (laughs) which you never did which you never did no why would you yeah no one wants you no one's ever gonna love you (laughs) nope too busy watching princess mononoke hell yeah i uh I was going to get a refresher just on the, cause I've seen it a hundred times. I was um, going to get a refresher just on the like Wikipedia page. Yeah. And it started pissing me off. Like the plot summary over there. I was <laughs> like, nah, y'all can't explain this movie in like three paragraphs. This is bullshit. So I had to watch it again right before we did this. I was like, that, that's just, that's just shit. Just ain't right. I got to watch this movie again. Yeah, the movie's great. The movie is like literally in my DNA. I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, uh, I don't know when it came to America, 
it came out in 1997, but it came here, I feel like in probably 1998 or something. So I was like 10 or 11. And I, my friend, my best friend, his older brother, just like brought this movie home from Blockbuster. Like it was nothing. And uh, at like two o'clock in the afternoon, he puts it in and there's that that deep voiced vo- voiceover. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh shit, what is this? And then for the next, you know, two and a half hours, I was just like, rocked my world. And at the same time, you know, like a year before that, uh, Ocarina of Time came out. And I was, maybe this is just me who thinks this, but those two movies, those two pieces of media are so linked in my head. And I think that they have a lot of similarities, um, particularly because like, do you guys know about Shinto? Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's like the indigenous religion of Japan. Yeah. 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 Japanese animism. Yeah. Basically. Um, but like both those, uh, to me, Princess Mononoke and Ocarina of Time are like the two most Shinto pieces of media that uh, mm. probably ever encounter on accident. Like if you're really looking for Shinto stuff, you can find it. But if you're just like, you're like hey, I'm just going to watch this, you know, really famous uh, movie or play this super uh, pivotal game in gaming history, you may not realize that you're like, you're deep into Shinto and it's just like surrounding you. There's gods and everything the kami and so on uh yeah it had a big <laughs> big impact on my life these two things what's your understanding of shinto uh i actually studied Sh- shinto in uh when i was in college um so shinto is kind of funny because it's like in some ways it's like describing hindu as one thing but at the same time shinto became one thing under the uh like Meiji Empire when they made it state Shinto and they started murdering all the uh, Buddhist monks to try to eliminate them from the what had be how they had become enmeshed in like Shinto belief Um, because Shinto because it's like animistic and it's kind of shamanistic it's also syncretic so it just kind of beliefs just sort of come they rise to the surface and they sort of take from things so like so like Zen Buddhism for example um, comes kind of from the way Shinto and Buddhism mixed. And so it's sort of like a mix of the two. But Buddhism became so uh, interlinked with Shinto and Shinto with Japanese Buddhism that it's like where one ended and one where, where one began kind of is meaningless until they started killing everybody to get rid of all the Buddhists. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's just... So one of the interesting things to me about Shinto is that humans, animals, plants, and the earth itself all have the same ancestors. So I think that this leads to some of the more, call it uh, eco-friendly policies, even still in Japan, because there's like these deep-seated beliefs, you know, generational beliefs that's in your in your blood and bones that like the earth is not just somewhere I live; it's also like my cousin. And these animals are also like my cousins and gods are also kind of like my cousins and gods are, uh, you know, they're different than what we think of as gods when we talk about them in the West. I was listening to a podcast with, uh, Mark Watts, who is Alan Watts, son. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was being asked about, you know, his upbringing with his father. <clears throat> and he specifically talked about, times that his dad would tell him bedtime stories 
Right. So in his house, a big uh, bedtime sort of milieu was like the Bhagavad Gita and the Ramayana and stuff like that. And uh, he remembered that his dad used to tell him this sort of made up story because he would just riff. But he would talk about how kind of pulling from the Bhagavad Gita that there was this, you know, this character who would fall asleep and dream and the dream was our lives basically. Mm. And uh, Mark Watts, Alan Watts, his son talks about how growing up the idea that we were somebody else's dream, that we were all part of the same stuff turned him away from the sort of, I guess, radical individualism you see from people who grow up in Christianity or, you know, I mean, many religions, right. But the foundation of that story as everybody being a part of the same thing affected the way he looked at the whole world. And that got me thinking just, you know, the way you're talking about, uh, you know, their eco-friendly policies derived perhaps from Shintoism. Uh, It's important. The stories that we tell children, you know, like, and I'm I'm thinking about like, (laughs) like what did I grow up watching? And it was like, (laughs) Indiana Jones, Star Wars, like, and that's all cool. All that shit is cool. Right. But um, it also makes me like Greek mythology and stuff. There's always a hero who's, you know, fighting a bad guy. And it's like, what if there was a different way to tell children's stories to kind of like instill something in them? Yeah. I think about that a lot because like, uh, so at bedtime with my son, you know, I used to just read him stories. I still read him stories. But uh, I don't know what when it happened, but one day I just kind of was like, what if I just tell you a story, man? And he was like, all right. So, <laughs> so now every night he wants me to tell him a story. And I usually, I don't like think about it during the day or anything. I just like, when I get there, I'm like, all right, what are we going to talk about? And as time has gone on, he it's become more collaborative. Like he'll tell me what to tell him, which sometimes is cool. Sometimes it's annoying because you get in like the middle of a story and kind of get into it. And he's like, nah, where's Spider-Man? And you're like, Spider-Man's not in this story. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, all right, all right, Spider-Man shows up now. Um, But uh, it is fun to just sort of like tell your kids stories and, you know, tell them about things that, uh, like a lot of the stories that I tell them, even when they, I have like Spider-Man in the story, it's not always Spider-Man like uh, solving crimes. Sometimes it's Spider-Man meets this little boy and they go and get ice cream. And uh, it's like stories can be whatever you want them to be. And there's an importance to stories that are just nice. You know, like it's, it's, it's good that people just like have fun together. Not everything needs to be an adventure. And, uh, yeah. Um, Pr- uh, Princess Mononoke. I'm not just trying to stay on topic with that. Like, <laughs> I think it's complicated to say that it is kind of like that because yeah. it's so it's weird to say that because it's so fucking brutal but it's not like an adventure in the way you expect at all it's like uh and then on the like animism tip it's not this uh i i know i've seen this like memified as like a super uh like eco terrorist kind of movie like you know like a a hippie yeah save save the environment kind of movie but it's more like the same way that uh what's his name ashitaka or yeah yeah ashitaka is always like i don't want to i don't want to kill you 
it's like that same respect that is given to a human is like, bro, I don't want to do this. It's like kind of the same that you're wrestling with, with everything, with gods, with the environment. It's not just like, oh, we need to, humans are a parasite. We need to save the trees. It's like, look, we all got to figure out how to like, don't fuck with me. So I don't have to fuck with you because yeah. we all, we all got to like figure out how to intermingle here. When and I on think the, one of, Oh, go ahead. No, nah, you go ahead. <laughs> I think one of the most interesting things about the movie is that uh, is how Miyazaki endlessly complicates things. So even talking about the environmental message uh, in the, in the movie, <clears throat> you know, the movie ends with Ashitaka going to Irontown to help them rebuild Irontown. And that's not exactly him saying, uh, you Irontown people were wrong. He's saying, I'm going to help you rebuild and let's try to do it in a way that doesn't like uh, fuck, fuck up the planet, you know? But it's like, it's not a condemnation of industry necessarily. Um, and like, you know, when, when you begin with the hero's journey in this, you meet, you meet the antagonist pretty early on, Lady Eboshi. And uh, at first you're like, oh man, this bitch is gonna suck. She's she's evil, and you're like, no, she's like a pretty cool lady. <laughs> like she's pretty nice. Yeah, um, she's helping people, um, and so it's like at every turn, the movie complicates its own narrative, and like even from the start. So this is, I think, the thing that has uh, stuck with me the most, and kind of like actually shaped the way I see the world the most, is how the movie begins, where Ashitaka is cursed. To become a demon through no fault of his own he didn't mm -hmm. do anything wrong if anything he did something heroic like he saved his village he saved people and for that action he's cursed to become a demon and it's like that is just like so brutal <laughs> you know it's like mm -hmm. it's like the world does not care and the gods don't care if the gods are real they don't give a shit what you do because they have their own agenda and they're going to they're going to do what they're going to do and it's not really up to you because the gods are more powerful than you. Uh, and so that has always uh, I don't know it's an interesting concept that has stuck with me very strongly throughout my life and like to go back to Ocarina of Time you kind of see the same thing there like <clears throat> Link is sent on this uh, you know this journey to save the world when he's like six years old or whatever and he fails and uh then he's sent forward in time to try to uh unfuck up his mistake and so you know you beat the game and he does and then once you beat the game once you've saved the world and saved time and everyone's lives link is sent back to right before his failure again and you as the player if you ever played again are now stuck in this you know eternal recurrence of you fail and when you do succeed you're sent back to your moment of failure to fail again god damn I, <laughs> I could never i could never beat that game so i i didn't even know how that went <clears throat> yeah i i played That's that brutal i played that game a bunch of times you know when you're like a kid you don't have like now i have like a million games and i'm never gonna play any of them when you're a kid it's like your mom buys you a 60 dollar game and you're like all right this is my game for like the next year at least <laughs> <laughs> i was just always yes. really bad i would always get i got stuck on tomb raider 
which I don't know if I can't remember if that's legitimately a hard game or if I'm just stupid. But oh, like, it's a legitimately hard game. Okay, okay. All I, the Tomb Raider games are legit. I use strategy guides like a motherfucker for those games because you you could play that game for a hundred hours with no strategy guide and maybe figure it out, but that first one is a bitch. Yeah. Okay. Well, I would pretty much just rotate the camera anyways to a certain angle <laughs> and just uh, get those polygons. Just be just be stuck there for a while. How about those polygons? <laughs> How many pixels this thing got? Uh, I do like that. I do like that curves. much more. Com- I, I like that complicated uh, view of of storytelling too, right? Where nobody's really the bad guy, right? Right. Because uh, Ashitaka, this is just kind of a fun fact. So he's from Enemishi Village. Yeah. And uh, I don't remember the exact names of this, but like the Amishi were, they were real people who lived in Hokkaido who were in the process of being uh, just eliminated by the yeah, dominant it was like, it was empire. The genocide campaign. Yeah, yeah. So this is like, these are like the Uyghurs, like <laughs> modern day Uyghurs or whatever of a but japan style you know yeah so he's actually from a people who's currently being steamrolled by this you know by like iron town basically you know right and uh and he's still and that's but that's also not really touched upon and i like that because it you know it puts these interactions much more in a cycle model uh sort of you know this what's the word i'm looking for response ability i always liked how uh, donna haraway broke up that word into mm-hmm. response and ability into like your, the world around you rather than it being like you know this is the you know this is the last samurai this is the last guy from his tribe or whatever it's barely even mentioned uh but he enters into this milieu i think in a very interesting way yeah and uh, one thing that I, I guess I've seen this movie so many times and I never even realized this uh, until last night when I, I don't even know why I looked it up, but uh, so there's a, one of the differences between the Japanese language and the English translation of it. So even when you watch this, like uh, in subtitles, it still has this uh, slight difference. Script was done by Neil Gaiman. Shout out to Neil Gaiman. Um, but so at the beginning of the movie, uh, when Ashitaka is leaving, in the English language version of the movie, it's his sister who says goodbye to him and gives him that little like uh, that knife thing, the gem knife. But I guess in the original Japanese, that's his fiance. Yeah. So he's like being banished and like he's the last prince and, you know, he's basically going to get married and then have more children. Presumably. But like because of this curse, he's just... It's just done. Like he's the last prince, and there's never gonna be the royal. The, the royal line is just done. The Amishi are done. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of accepted too. <laughs> yeah, it's just like whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like it's kind of just like yeah, you're done, bro. Like <laughs> this is just the end of your line, I guess. Yeah, and it's like there's only like 50 people left anyway. So they're like, well, we had a good run, I guess. <laughs> just real real quick before we go on uh would one of you like to just kind of give a capsule summary i feel like most people who listen to this will probably have seen this but 
just kind of like a, a broad sketch of what this movie is. Go for it, Kelby. All right. So Ashitaka, like we said, is the prince of this village, this ethnic tribe that's being cleansed. And while watching from a tower notices uh, demons on the on the edge of the forest coming into the coming in towards the village, this demon has taken over a wild boar and he uh I'm gonna try to capsule review. This is a long ass movie. He kills the boar and gets cursed by the demon that was possessing it, uh, just by happenstance. Uh, and then he accepts his fate. He's gonna go out to where the oracle lady says that the boar came from. He rides off on his elk in that direction, finds Iron Town. Does he find Iron Town first? Uh, kind of like. No, he he runs into Jacobo, yeah. That like, oh. and he hey. sends him kind of to Iron Town. Yeah, and he he runs into him along the way, like seeing a samurai like harassing yeah. people on the road. Oh, and this movie is brutal. So I'm <laughs> sure everybody's familiar with Studio Ghibli. Like, even if you haven't seen this one, maybe you've had to have seen like My Neighbor Totoro or Ponyo or like fucking Spirited some, Away. Spirited Away, like something if not i don't know how you're on episode 63 of this show but this this one's brutal (laughs) he like uh with his demon arm he decapitates one samurai's head with an arrow he cuts off uh the arms of another just with a couple simple arrow shots and so the samurai are like this dude's a demon and he runs into uh he runs into the monk dude who becomes a crucial character. He gets sent to Iron Town where all the women do like the uh I guess the like forging and shit. Yeah. And uh the there's a bunch of lepers that are given given roles and like the they're mostly forging weapons to fight against samurai and the gods of the of the forest lady hiboshi hiboshi lady hibashi she uh <laughs> she's kind of presented as like you said like at first you get the sense that like oh this bitch gonna be the the villain and um but like she's actually like caring for this this town in which you know she's got lepers under her employ she's got like a willful employ she's got like rescued slaves she buys up these girls and frees them of their slavery and gives them jobs in the forge and shit and uh and she's she just like prince ashitaka like they're only they're royalty among common folk basically like She's a late, like a queen. There's a Japanese word for it, but like, you know, she's this lady figure, capital L, but of Iron Town, right? The Lady of Iron Town. Uh, and then Prince Ashitaka, he, you know, his whole village is getting wiped out. Like, so it's, it's kind of this 
gods amongst men sort of like theme that translates through to the the literal the overarching like story of there actually being gods amongst men um but anyway the lady she got it out for uh the wolves that are um they're constantly at odds with these big ass wolves uh one of which is written by uh san aka princess mononoke who was raised by them she's the mowgli character and she hates (laughs) humans just like the wolves do and they're at odds with each other uh eddie take it away i'm I'm gonna be talking for like three hours trying to recap this whole fucking movie all right so from there the wolves strike they go to attack to kill lady eboshi because they believe if you kill lady eboshi you know cut off the head of the snake iron town's done uh-huh. So Sun gets in there, doesn't so much sneak in as just like explode her way in. And uh, there's a face off between San and Lady Aboshi and Prince Ashitaka. He's got his demons roaring and he stops the fight, beats them both up and takes away San. In taking her away, he gets shot and uh, he almost dies. And so <clears throat> as they get away, he he's dying. And San ends up taking care of him by taking him to the spirit of the forest, which is the god of the forest, uh, the god of the whole region, basically, the god of life and death. Uh, and it heals uh, Prince Ashitaka, but leaves his curse still intact. Uh, from there, Lady Eboshi has been hired to kill the late, kill the spirit of the forest and ke- get its head for the emperor because the emperor wants to live forever and someone told him that if you get that god's head you can you can live forever. Um, and this is where Jacobo comes back in the monk. And so he and Lady Eboshi start heading towards the forest to do that. At the same time, Boar clan from far away comes to do basically one last ride suicide mission uh the big boar lord akoto who is voiced by keith david who people might know from community this cracked me Mm -hmm. up when i was watching it last night (laughs) i was like i know that guy um so basically like there's just a bunch of threads that converge at once there's a big war lots of people die lots of gods die um it all ends up at a face-off in the little uh, sanctuary of the spirit of the forest where a bunch of people get things go fucked up and lady Eboshi kills the spirit of the forest and Jigabo takes her head and runs away and the spirit of the forest basically like explodes and causes a wave of death the whole forest dies and anything it touches is gonna die so people are running like crazy. It's sludge. It's like a, it's, a flood yeah. of sludge. God sludge. Um, and eventually, Ashitaka and San are able to get the head back to the spirit of the forest, but they're too late, so it dies anyway. But the forest is reborn, and even though that iteration of the god of life and death of the forest is gone, uh, something else is taking its place presumably san goes to the forest to you know help out keep keep the forest alive 
Ashitake goes to Iron Town to help them rebuild. And that's where it ends. They don't end up together, even though they have this great love story and are in love. They're separated by gods and man. I love how this movie just does not have a thesis statement. Like, it's just curious. It is willing to go down rabbit holes. It's willing to, like, it endlessly complicates shit. There's, like, internal conflict within yeah. the forest. It's not just like, oh, the forest versus man, and then man versus like God. The boars like, versus the wolves. Right, the boars yeah. versus the wolves. I was like, damn. Every time, I'm always like, I'm not going to. It's not a movie you can understand it's one that constantly makes you question things yeah and i think that's you know it's that complicating nature of it and i think this is something that i learned from miyazaki in writing my own books i mean i basically i didn't realize it at the time but uh my third book when it came out like a few years later i was like i just basically wrote a novelization of princess mononoke and uh maybe that's why everyone hated it (laughs) but but uh you know it's like what I like about Miyazaki is that he doesn't give you the answer. And oftentimes he puts his belief in the weaker position in the argument in a, in like a movie. So it's something that I do a lot. Like I'm a, I, I have various beliefs and I usually, if I include those in a book, uh, I usually have the person advocating for that lose an argument because, uh, I don't know. I think that's more interesting. And I think it's, Mm -hmm. to me, it's like, you know, how do you, how do you combat these unpopular beliefs that you have against just like what most people believe is common sense. So like, you know, especially if you're writing something like, for example, Princess Mononoke, and you have a character like Ashitaka who is uh, advocating for pacifism, but he's doing it brutally. Um, But, you know, he's just like straight up, cutting people's heads off <laughs> like, <laughs> he he is a pacifist in word but not in deed and uh you know that's interesting to me but so i do think that there is a thesis statement to this movie from miyazaki i think though that it's in the nausicaa manga which i think i told you guys about before yeah two thousand yeah. pages and it's 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 wild if you think this is dark this is so much darker and bleaker and it goes to just wild places. Um, so you guys should you guys should read that. But uh, Miyazaki, I think, could best be described, in my view, as kind of like an anti-humanist. He uh, he doesn't like people. He doesn't no, think that. He doesn't really, yeah, he, and it's like, but I also think it's like, at his core, he doesn't think that humans should exist. <laughs> like, he thinks mm-hmm. that, you know, I feel like he thinks that we are a mistake. And the best that we can do is try to not be so shitty. Um, and I think that that is kind of like, you know, it's like th- there are no villains in Princess Mononoke, but there's also not really any heroes. Like, because at the end of the day, nothing's really saved. It's just like, because they, they, you know, to bring it back to Ocarina of Time, it's like they saved the head of the god of the forest, but the god died anyway. And like in Ocarina of Time, one of the first things that you do is you go, the great Deku tree is sick because of this infestation infestation of spider monsters. And you need to go in there to, you know, clear out the infestation to save the great Deku tree. So you do that. You kill all the spiders. You kill the spider god that's down in the depths of the great Deku tree, making it sick. 
And when you escape, the great Deku tree dies right in front of you. And it's <laughs> like, it's like, what do you make of that? You know, it's like you did the heroic thing, but it didn't matter. And you did the heroic thing, but now you're cursed to become a demon. Like you, you're cursed to lose your humanity for doing the heroic thing. So it's like heroism doesn't doesn't reward you, and there aren't villains. So I don't know. I think it's a, just a very fascinating way to tell a story because it does leave most people kind of like cold. Like like, what are you supposed to make of this? San and Ashitaka are in love. They don't end up together. The god of the forest is dead. Lady Eboshi's alive. <laughs> like, like, what are you supposed to make of it? But I think it just kind of comes down to uh, Miyazaki doesn't he doesn't like people, but he also doesn't want to make it easy on himself. He doesn't want to just write an essay why like people are bad and nature is good. He's like, deal with this because this is what would happen. I think that you're illuminating mm-hmm. something in my head every time I watch Princess Mononoke. I'm left with a deep feeling of sadness. Yeah, but it's not a hopeless sadness and it's not a, uh, it's not a sadness with any kind of solution or aim. It's just kind of a, an ambient sadness. And what you're reminding me of is, (laughs) so today uh, Gus and I were laying in bed. I always put on a documentary to put him to bed. And there was this one on Disney plus and it was about giraffes. Right. And it was about, uh, I want to say it was Nigeria. Not sure about that. Don't quote me on that. But it was about these game preservers in Africa who had these eight giraffes of a very specific lineage that they wanted to preserve. And uh, so they put the giraffes together and they're trying to get the giraffes to mate. But giraffes do this very specific thing when they mate, which is that they, they get pregnant and then they go off by themselves to give birth. They go away from the tribe. Well, this area of Africa experienced torrential floods, like rainfall and floods, basically. And it separated this, uh, you know, this mother giraffe from the herd. So this guy, his name was Mike. He helps the giraffe give birth. And this is his favorite giraffe, you know, and, uh, he helps the giraffe give birth. They, they mount this big rescue mission to get the giraffes back together so that they can, you know, be a tribe and go find food together because essentially now they're just, they're on an Island. And the guy leaves and he comes back a week later. And when he shows up, the baby giraffe is being eaten by a rock Python. Right. And uh, I was watching that and I was like, damn, That makes me really sad, but it's also part of life. You know what I mean? And that's how Princess Mononoke makes me feel more than maybe any other movie that I've seen is that there's a sadness to it, but a naturalistic quality that makes it feel so organic that it just hits that much harder. It's like, this is just the way life is. Like the forest God dies. (laughs) <laughs> you know and is reborn i think that's a good way to put it too is like organic and uh because it is like kind of to get to what kelby was talking about it's like 
the movie just goes down like weird rabbit holes and you think it you think it's just a digression but then it's like no that's that's the movie now and it's like you know because if you think of where ashitaka starts and where he ends you know, he's a mm-hmm. banished prince who's becoming a demon by this like uh you know ethnicity that's being cleansed by the dominant ethnicity and where it ends is like he's sort of a hero of these people who are helping to cleanse his clan mm-hmm. you know it's like you could see that in like in like a few generations he would almost be like a folk hero He'd be like yeah that's the guy who saved our town he's like he'd be like part of our founding myths now and it's like man that's fucked up like <laughs> like like he he saved the people cleansing his ethnicity and right it gives you this kind of like deep time geological view of humans and myth right. uh that and, is very unique we, we don't get that very often yeah, it's a very you, unique type of myth you even see that in moro the uh the wolf mother who like she's ready to die you know mm-hmm. and and like i think what you really see in moro uh, it's not just that she's ready to die, but she's sick of being alive. Like she's she's right. watching her world and the world that she's known for, who knows how many years? How long does a god live? Maybe forever, um, until it's killed. Uh, but so like she's she's seen a life of diminishment. Like her forest was this big beautiful thing, full of life, and over the last few years, it's just been being burnt down by this fucking lady. and there's nothing that she can do to stop it because you know she's a god and she has she's like the size of a you know a a baby elephant but she can't stop this fucking lady with her iron gun Um, and so she's just like all right well i'm i'm gonna die whatever i hope that i kill her too and like that's like the final statement of this god is like yeah i'm gonna die but i really want to kill that bitch is that, <laughs> like, the one who's, is that the is that the one whose head comes alive yes yeah and, yeah and bites the arm off okay yeah 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 i'm remembering this correctly then okay yeah, sorry it's like it's like that you're like what is that it, it's just such a different kind of take on a god to to be like a god I, I wanted to ask you about that like what do you think a god means in the context of this because we think of god as omniscient all-powerful right maybe jesus right if you're yeah. of the of the christian persuasion like a, a god Je- made a jesusonian Jesus, <laughs> but like in this, it's like it's like God. God seems to be used in a way that is understood intuitively, if not you know practically or mechanically. It's like yeah. what is a god in Princess Mononoke? And I think it comes down back to Shinto. Like so, the kami is the word for them, and like we translate it as so god, like, but it kind of a dualist thing, right? Like it's like it's it's both. It's it's like. I don't, I don't it's not like a good English way to translate, but it's like, you know, it's, it's a God, but it's also maybe the best way to think of it is like sort of like a demigod from Greek mythology. Like, so they're really powerful. They have powers, um, even beyond their powers are just like stronger and sturdier than mortal creatures of the same type, but, uh, but they're not omniscient. They're, they're not infallible and they, uh, they can die. Just yeah, like they're kind of like a like, like a con- like a concept or whatever made flesh, right? Yeah, so so nature made flesh or this made flesh. It's like yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. It's, it's kind like, of both at the same way. Yeah, it's like a metaphor given life, somewhat uh, similar to a yokai, right? Like a yeah. changed being. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know the term mononoke comes from uh chinese actually is comes from a wuguai which is a english translation as monster but i think an understanding of what kind of monster is kind of in princess mononoke where it's like god-like spirit like a physical representation of basic like a god like yeah. being that's um, interesting i didn't know that that's cool yeah i was I going that's... down some some rabbit holes on the etymology of this shit and everything yeah i think that's like one of the interesting things about and you know like for me i saw this movie when like i said like i was like I don't know, 10 or 11 or 12 or something like that um i uh i didn't have a concept for like gods to first of all the idea of just some lady going out and killing a god was like so death metal to me that it like he like cratered my brain um felt like i like blacked out for a second when she said that i was like holy shit she said she's gonna kill a god and then she fucking did yeah <laughs> like, yeah like right in front of you she kills the fucking god of life and death and you're just like what yeah blast his fucking head off <laughs> <laughs> and then they put it in a box like i don't know it's such wild stuff and so uh I, but i've always been fascinated by this kind of uh concept of like what is a god um because i think you know going back to you know prehistory or whatever uh people would refer to things you know they would give certain things spiritual meaning and significance and such and it's like why did why that and not something else you know why does uh why have we decided that menstruation is evil and the lady's got to sit over there for a week? Uh, why do we it's do... nasty, bro? <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, it's like, okay, we're going to... It's like, that blood is nasty. Now we're going to go over here and uh, slit the throat of this goat and yeah, yeah. pour it's that all it's over. It comes out of a pussy, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I kind of fuck with the giraffe's ideology of like, even when you give birth, hey, go over there. Go over there. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were about to say, I fuck with that fucking, that pussy blood shit. That's <laughs> <actually>. <laughs> nah, I'm, yeah. I'm just kidding. All, all versions of the pussy, welcome. I, uh, I, I was, was going to be... Human pussy. I was going to be pissed if I wasn't allowed in the room when uh shit was going down with my son. Yeah, I uh I probably could have I probably could have used a tap out. I was there for thirty hours. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was joking with my wife uh, at the time. She didn't think it was very funny. But I was like, I think we're gonna go take a nap. And she was like, Fuck you. <laughs> oh dude, my wife my wife was in labor for thirty two hours, and there was one point where I actually did try to take a nap. Uh-huh. And uh, as soon as I like laid down on the couch, she started going like, ugh, ugh. and later on after Gus was born and I was bringing it back, I was like, was that, re- was that a thing? Or were you just trying to, w-? she's like, yeah, bitch, you weren't going to fucking sleep while I was giving birth. <laughs> like, what the fuck is your problem? <laughs> <laughs> and like, man, that's, that's so funny. Cause like, so we were at the hospital for probably similar amount of time as you and, uh, you and Rios, but like Chelsea started, she went into her labor started like at 2 a.m. Um, yeah. It's like shortly after we went to sleep for the night, she, she started to have like contractions. We didn't go to the hospital till 4 p.m. But so like she had been up from 2 a.m. until like, I don't know, 
two days later, basically. Jesus. Uh, yeah, it sucked. I mean, more for her than for me. But I, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it, it does suck for the man also in like, you're watching the person you love most in the world just like suffer there and the doctor oh, dude like, it's one of the it's one of the weirdest experiences ever because like if i could <laughs> if i could it's like the worst one of the worst experiences of your life until the birth right yeah. the birth is beautiful but like everything leading up to it is like the worst thing but you're also not the one going through it so it's like the worst thing that you've gone through that is inherently perpetually secondary to the worst thing that they're going through you, you know what i mean so yeah. if you ever try to talk about it they're like yeah but i was and you're like you know what you have a point yeah <laughs> and it's also worse like, for you there's nothing you can do to help it's like you can bring her ice chips I, I i kept trying to like remind her to drink water and she was like i've had enough water <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I, I, was like, I don't know what to do I remember just like helping uh, Rios like roll her her IV bag into the bathroom so she yeah. could use the restroom and like her shivering there, and it's just like, fuck, yeah, yeah. I'm helpless. I, yeah. I I can't do shit. I don't know. What the, like, there's nothing I can do. I'm not feeling this shit. I just fucking I busted ten months ago, and here we are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's 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 its own thing, and I think that it should be you know, I mean, acknowledged and respected in its own way as being kind of the lieutenant to this, uh, you know, major issue that's going on, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was bad for you, but think about it. I didn't get to sleep. Yeah, and I was like pretty bored. <laughs> I, brought my, I brought my Switch. I couldn't even play my Switch, dude. Yeah, you were being loud <laughs> as hell. <laughs> i was trying to call my friends let them how know. am i supposed to how am i supposed to play hades when <laughs> the screaming going on in the back? <laughs> you know there are voice commands in this game right <laughs> like you're fucking me up i thought i was gonna get some writing done but apparently yeah. <laughs> uh... <laughs> you're like yeah you you show up with like a paperback like what's up guys like a Clive Custler book. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, you stopped in like the gift shop. Like, oh, yeah, we just picked, yeah. just picked up a James Patterson book. Looks pretty fun. Why is that? Why is that gift shop even there? You're not going to use any of that shit. Uh -huh. the, so uh, uh, with our second kid, we, we did use the gift shop because he was at the hospital for a month. Um, right. But, but mostly because it's just like, like, I don't know, we're spending all day so many days in a row at the hospital like you just kind of start going places um right they have like the ronald mcdonald house at hospitals you know and it's like uh it's like food and stuff that's donated by i don't know i don't know what it is it's a thing look it up it's a charity um but like we went there a few times and they have like snacks and stuff you know like, oh, it was kind of cool and it's all free and uh but you also feel weird because you're like i'm at the hospital to be with my baby but i can't be with him all the time <laughs> like, mm -hmm. um, and i do need to eat yeah uh, so this thing is set up that's like hey bitch you need some food yeah six dollars for a fucking blt well fortunately it is free there like that the ronald mcdonald oh, okay right on it was uh, not free where i was, <laughs> was oh like, really <laughs> they were like was you it... want some mountain dew all right oh is, you mean at like the actual cafeteria yeah, I don't think we had a Ronald McDonald house. Yeah, the, ca the cafeteria, not free. The cafeteria sucks. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like the shittiest fucking food made. You by, want a like, sloppy Joe? 
Like, no. <laughs> make sure you make it extra slappy. Uh, but no, dude, it was it was just it was bad. I would run down there and I would be checking out. And they'd be like, "That'll be uh, you know twenty four ninety seven." I was like, "Huh? Yeah for the for the thing." But we're in so much pain. <laughs> it's like, what if I just get a water? Yeah, <laughs> three bucks. Like, that'll be seven ninety five. So, it's like you guys know I'm already giving you like ten thousand dollars just to be here, right? Yeah. Like, can I just get a fucking sandwich? Like, nah, that's a different department. Yeah, yeah, all the departments. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's separate. Oh, okay, how convenient. <laughs> yeah, and uh, man hospital bills are crazy that was like the other thing i can't remember if i i think i told you david but like uh we got our hospital or they they called us because we hadn't put uh our kid on insurance yet and uh they called us at like the 29th day since his birth to be like hey you want to put him on your insurance we're like well i think we have two months and they're like well you better check because uh we make like i'm the person who's in charge of accounts that are uh, over a hundred thousand dollars we're like, cool. We, we don't have that. Um, but the final bill for our kid was three sixty, which uh, like three hundred sixty thousand dollars. But thank God my wife has really good health insurance, so we didn't we didn't have to pay like even we paid like such a small fraction of that. But it's like three hundred sixty thousand dollars. That is like more than a house. Yeah. To, yeah. bring, to bring life into this world to save our fucking species god damn yeah it. yeah like, to make sure my kid didn't die you need to go in debt crazy amounts of debt it's like oh yeah. sweet <laughs> and this is why like you know when we talk about politics and stuff on this show kelby mm-hmm. and i are retarded we don't know very much about politics and uh you know we have people from the left people from the right whatever but i always want to take both of them and just point to some issues that are clearly fucked up yeah right like healthcare. it's like yeah i mean Free market, anybody baby. Else think that it's fucked up <laughs> that uh you know eddie was on his way to uh you were on your way to a half a million dollars to make oh, sure, that sure your kid didn't die. we would have we would have defaulted on that so fast got compound interest i'd be paying that <laughs> off for like fucking ever Nah, just he would he would be paying off that like he would be an adult paying off his own birth still it's like (laughs) yeah yeah can we just agree that like that that's fucked up oh wait you can't you can't even declare bankruptcy on medical shit damn can you i think you can maybe i think you can i think the only thing you can't is student debt right yeah student debt never goes away oh okay okay Yeah. yeah you can totally declare bankruptcy on a but I, it's you I know it's these bankruptcy. hospitals like hospitals have entire departments that are devoted to it's like their finance department like yeah. how do we keep making money i have a friend what? who works for one of these we were talking earlier in the group chat about uh <laughs> you know how everybody kind of works sus jobs you know like <laughs> some kind of fucked up job i don't i don't know which group chat you're talking about i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> You talking oh, the, about you talking about the other group chat, huh? Yeah, the one the one that the, Kelby and I aren't in. Yeah, that we're not a part of. <laughs> <laughs> we're good people. I don't have. Any oh, stuff. right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's all it's all so fucked up, dude. And it's just like, 
what are we all fighting? We're fighting about fucking dumb culture war bullshit. Like, you know, is the little mermaid black or white or whatever? And it's like, I feel like we could all come together and be like, hey, hospitals are fucking expensive. What's the deal with that? Yeah. Everybody could. I feel like while I was in the hospital with, uh, with my kid, if someone would have came in and been like, do you think the Little Mermaid should be black or white? I'd be like, you should kill yourself. Yeah, go kill yourself. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like, don't, exactly. Don't, don't even leave the room. Do it right in front of me. I want to watch you kill yourself. Like, <laughs> Conversely, if somebody came to me and was like, hey, we got to tear down this fucking, this whole structure that makes it cost a half a million dollars to have a kid, you know, if there's complications, right? And, yeah. and then they were like, oh, yeah. And by the way, uh, I just full disclosure, I, I kind of think Obama's a Muslim. I would just be like, yeah, that's fine. Whatever. Go yeah, I, I would like that. I'd be already grabbing my sledgehammer and be like, what? Uh, who cares? Like, let's go. I wouldn't even be like, so is that a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah. <laughs> like, Why are you talking about Obama? Let's smash this hospital. Like, how do you feel about drag queen story hour? It's like, uh it i mean i'm i'm holding a, a sledgehammer right now yeah, so like, i don't really it, feel one way or the other about that <laughs> yeah, i like i've never been probably not gonna go uh but i also and it's not because i have any moral feelings about it it's just like i don't care and i right. and you can't make me ever care about that like they're trying to ban this it's like i didn't even know that was a thing until like you just said it so I didn't I even know care. people like... still went to libraries. So like, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of pro whatever, you know, yeah. gets kids like I, sitting right. around reading books. Like the, uh, the, the controversy of the day, maybe this was like the other day already, I don't know. But people were talking about like Lizzo playing some flute. It's like, I don't even need to hear the rest of the sentence. It's like, I didn't know what this was two seconds ago. Bro, and I, I, I know I won't care out. in five seconds. So I like blocked it out completely. I like, yeah. I saw that and I was like, nope. Yeah, it's nope. like it's like this yeah, matters like, so like, little. Uh, my my take on the Lizzo playing the flute is that I like the Lizzo song that she did with Charlie XCX. I think that's a good one. Uh, not a huge fan of her music, but I could give a fuck less. I'm not I even... like the milkshake song. Is that what song is that? My milkshake brings all. Yeah, my catch. That's Kalisto. Oh <laughs> <I> was... <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not even convinced I know who Lizzo is. Um, if someone showed me a picture of Lizzo, I'd be like, "That's eh, probably yeah, you're probably right." You'd but if they like, showed me fat black bitch, yeah, yeah if, if they showed me a picture of any like black lady that I had never met, they're like, "That's Lizzo," I'd be like, "Okay, like I believe you." My I, favorite thing just, about precious. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like, my, I don't know. My favorite thing about Lizzo is she presented <laughs> this this great moment that my wife and I still look back on and laugh about where. Uh, uh one of us i can't remember who said what but one of us was looking at a picture of her and was like that is a tiny ass purse i think it was i think it was erica said she said she said that's a tiny ass purse i said i think that's a regular size purse i think that's just a big old bitch Uh, that's funny Mm -hmm. it's funny when you it's funny when you like uh so in college i went to um where I went to college, as it turned out, was rated one of the like uh, the hottest colleges by like Playboy magazine around the time that I went there. Like not because fans I, or 
if if if, uh, if I had been in college right now, that a bunch of OnlyFans pages would come out of my college. Um, but like they were like, yeah, you got a sexy school, and I was like, I guess. But uh, you get used to just seeing people of a certain size and like attractiveness because like you live there. And then uh, I remember after college, or like if I went to visit my parents for like a weekend or something, and I'd go to like the grocery store, I'd be like, man, people look terrible here. <laughs> you, see, like, you just see like fucking dumpy ugly bitches yeah you just well you see like 40 year old men whose like bellies are hanging over their pants and they're like bald and they have no neck no no I'm, that's cool just, that's just, i'm talking about the, the ugly bitches <laughs> <laughs> what, what what do we say we don't call dudes ugly yeah <laughs> no no men men are all beautiful every man is beautiful every man ah, is women beautiful. women women kind of uh, <laughs> let themselves go <laughs> That's just how it is. But, uh, but yeah, you, you get used to seeing people of a certain size. So it's funny when you go someplace or like when I lived in Korea, everyone in Korea is skinny. And then uh, I come back home and I'm like, man, why is everyone fat? Like what happened yeah. to the world? Or like you watch TV now and uh, they just like let fat people on TV on purpose, which I mean, I guess is fine. But at the same yeah, time, it's like ridiculous. It's like, why is everyone so fat? They're taking up my I have to get bigger and bigger screens. They're like <laughs> fucking I had to move. We used to have a TV stand and now you can't even see the window. So I had to build a fucking fireplace to hang the TV on. I had to get a bigger, <laughs> had to get a bigger like, fucking TV. Like, damn, bro, I got to buy a bigger TV. <laughs> It'd be funny if, if like directors didn't reframe the shot. They just like, it's, it's like as people get bigger, they just zoom in closer. Yeah, it's like I had a 12-inch when Precious came out, and I was like, I can't see behind the bitch. What is happening? What is going on right now? What is? There's no background foreground. It's just like giant just, sweater. Just lady. Just lady. I've never seen Precious. It's not a good should really People should really not be that fat. I mean, it, I can't feel bad for people who, when they get really fat, because I do understand that there are... Uh, sociological and economic reasons why some people are fatter than other people but that doesn't apply to everybody and uh not to get controversial but if your politics are being fat is cool your politics are dumb yeah Yeah. that's that's (laughs) like like get better politics like i don't you saw that you saw that one that one lady who was like there's this bigotry against food because all food is is equally good and and you know if it makes you fat whatever and she turned out to like be working for chips ahoy (laughs) that's awesome that's some girl in marketing that's like you almost but it was like it was funny because it was like it was the black woman who was saying like you know discriminating against food is anti-blackness and it's like (laughs) oh but you work for chips ahoy i just love the concept of discriminating against food like 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 you can be uh you know biased against food like it's some kind of uh power dynamic between you and like a in like an oreo it's like man i'm well it's like it's like looking at a fucking carrot and then looking at a fucking ho-ho and being like it's racist to say there's a difference between these two. <laughs> <laughs> the, the problem with these people is they they don't believe in god of any kind <laughs> if they all worshiped a wolf god who yeah. loved to crunch people's skulls. Honestly, I think my explanation of my belief, like my spiritual religious beliefs, because it's complicated. I don't like being one of those people who 
is afraid to say I believe in God. So I have to be like, well, I think like, you know, the universe is blah, blah, blah. I'm spiritual. I'm not religious. It's like, no, I'm religious, but it's, it is kind of complicated. I think I, I, I could just be like, you seen princess Mononoke? <laughs> yeah. uh, kind of, like yeah. whatever that is, is like what I believe in. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, so that- I feel like Kelby is the blind pig God actually. Lord Okoto. Hell yeah, you are. Okoto, just, yeah, yeah. Just, I feel like just, the Kelby's Kelby's the one who just like goes out. He's like, no, nah, fucking I'm beast in this shit. Yeah, David, yeah. David the comes in and he's like, you're, you're gonna die if you do that. And Kelby's like, it's time to die, bitches. Yeah, exactly. When the when the wolves are like, Let's go. Uh, <laughs> the, the 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 wolves are like if we team up, I'm like, no, nah, I, I said, I don't fuck with you. That means I don't fuck with you. <laughs> I do love that. Like, uh, I'm a, I'm a board. That's the size of a bus. I can't see shit. All y'all motherfuckers are getting God. Got the blood demon shit. popping out of my skin. I don't care. I'm just wheezing. Um, but I don't know. I, I do think about the concept of gods and princess Mononoke a lot. It's actually in, influenced a lot of, my own writing um like, let's talk about that let's talk about glossolalia yeah glossolalia has kind of a princess mononoke-ish kind of approach to gods yeah i think everything i do ever since i turned 11 or 10 and saw that movie has uh, basically been stuck in that moment um what is, weird... what is glossolalia about <clears throat> glossolalia is so this is funny because you guys are like a takashi meike uh podcast but uh visitor q is a movie that I saw when I was like, I don't know, way too young to see it. And I don't really remember it, but it's always been stuck in my head. And so Glossolalia is kind of like a mix of Visitor Q, the Tao Te Chang, the Dancing Plagues that used to happen in Europe, and the Boynich Manuscript. And uh, you, just, you just slosh that around and drink it down. You got Glossolalia. I read that fucking book. That sounds good to me. He mean he means literally too. Like a lot yeah. of people would be like have these weird comps. It's like this and that in mood or vibe. And it's like, nah, like literally, like yeah. the dancing plague and the premise of visitor, like all that shit is like literally glossolalia. Yeah. How does the how does the Tao come into this book? <clears throat> the Tao Te Ching. So that's yeah. like so for me, that's kind of like the same thing with how what I was saying earlier, like Princess Mononoke and ocarina of time just like being in my blood and bones like i can't can't not be there but so there's this uh this is actually probably <laughs> in in specific ways the most Taoist thing or and um so there's this concept in the Tao Te chang of like uh leading without being a leader like sort of like an empty space for where leadership is but having that empty space be the leader um, it's a whole book you can read it on on, on the internet <laughs> but uh so that's kind of like a core concept to this little uh society that uh this book happens to so they're basically like an anarchist commune but they would of course not call themselves that because they're just the people who live there they're uh uh it's influenced a lot by i was looking at all these pictures of greenland for some reason like a month before i wrote this and i was like man greenland looked wild like it's green it's glaciery there's the ocean right there. People eat whales. Um, so I was like, what if I just wrote something about that? And for some reason that kind of got tied up with uh, the Dao Te Ching. So it's like, there's a society, every year they, tra- they trade off who's chief. So it's not elected or anything. It's just like the person who's the chief 
just every year a new person becomes chief. Um, and the year that this takes place in, there's a, a young man named Akul who is chief for the year. He's a uh, horny motherfucker too. Hell yeah, he's like 17. Who wasn't? <laughs> but uh, so, so they kind of trade off who is the chief. And so like no one's ever really in charge, even when they are at the chief. But the real people who are their leaders in society are these, uh, these people called the Mountain Girls. And they're just like, they're basically like San from Princess Mononoke. Just, just like imagine a group of them, uh, but less violent. So people don't really know anything about the mountain girls except for like what's been told to them about them or like the weird interactions that people have with them because the mountain girls behave strangely to, uh, to people. Cause I don't know. You just don't really know anything about them. They don't really interact with society except for here and there. And uh, when they do interact, it's very hard to make sense of what they mean when they're doing things and like what you're supposed to take from it. But because it's kind of ingrained in the society that like these are, uh, I mean, you could call them like the priestesses to use like a different kind of term for them. So it's like, they are sort of like the, pre- the priestesses or shaman of this place. But uh, what they tell the people isn't necessarily understood by them, but the people don't really talk about the fact that they don't know what the lesson is. Cause it's kind of embarrassing to like be told a lesson by your teacher and everyone's just kind of nodding along and you're like, oh, shit, what, what, what are we doing? <laughs> like, it's like everyone's kind of in that headspace of like not really sure what the lesson is, but also not willing to put their neck out and be like, uh, what the fuck did what, what did that just mean? Um, so that's kind of where the Tao Te Ching comes in, is uh, this concept of leading without leadership and uh, all these kind of ideas about pacifism and uh, anarchism and things like that in the book but uh, i always like that concept of the mountain girls they just hang out no one knows what they're doing they're weird there's also a creepy ass kid kind of kind <laughs> yeah. of kid kind of god uh yes yeah, this, so, this ambiguous this creature of ambiguous origin so he's my visitor q he shows up <clears throat> dressed in what appears to everyone there just like bizarrely um and people at in the town don't really think of it at the time even though he's a stranger from far away because they don't really have a concept of like other civilizations or other languages and things like that but this kid just shows up speaking their language um which is kind of why the uh, novel's called glossolalia which for those who don't have a dictionary handy glossolalia is like the concept of speaking in tongues which some people interpret differently like from the bible so some people when this happened in the bible the speaking in tongues after jesus died pentecost that uh some people think that the apostles were just you know speaking their own language and everyone else was understanding their language as if it was their own language uh, some people think it's that they were speaking absolute nonsense just like you know you probably you guys have probably heard people speak in tongues at churches before they're just like blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. and uh some people think that's what it was and everyone uh, kind of understood that for some reason. Uh, I take a more just like, I guess the first approach where this kid's just speaking his language, but everyone understands. Uh, and he basically just shows up and tells, tells them stories. And uh, whether through his actions or through his stories or just coincidence, 
uh, everything gets fucked up here and everything starts going wrong and uh, people start dancing and they don't start, they don't stop dancing until they die until just a cool and one other person and this stranger, this visitor queue are the last ones left, not dancing. Uh, and then they have a, a, a throw down, knock them out kind of conversation, which that part is inspired by uh, Steve McQueen's uh, movie Hunger, which is about uh, Bobby Sands of the IRA. But there's a scene in that movie where it's just a 17 minute, uh, what do you call it? Tripod shot of these guys sitting at a, sitting at a table and talking for 17 minutes. Uh, and it's tense because, because it's a movie. <laughs> um, so I tried to kind of capture that, that same thing, which is these two characters facing off, having a conversation, and also kind of not understanding each other at the same time. And uh, yeah. Things yeah, just, Bobby things Sands is dying, right? Like he's, he's, he's start, like starving. Uh, this is before he started his hunger strike. I think, or maybe it's maybe it's right as he started his hunger strike, uh, right in in uh, in hunger, but yeah. So he's he's either in process of slowly dying or about to start slowly dying. That part was really fun to narrate. Mm-hmm. Dude, you did such a good job. I uh, I don't know. You never you you like put your you you give your book to somebody, and I've never had anything uh, narrated by anybody, even me. Uh, so it's like you know there's always trepidation there you're like oh man should i trust kelby <laughs> <You know? laughs> but man you did such a good job i i love that um because i listened to the whole thing after you sent it to me and i was like damn this is good i love this <laughs> and i love that scene i loved what you did with it there's one scene in particular that uh i love um, it's one of those super short chapters that's just like a sentence um, it's one that you put in the group chat like uh after you narrate it too you do like this perfect laugh in it it's so good yeah. oh yeah yeah i need I to love- find that and clip it for like my demo reels because you I- should that that part is so good i i love that part it's it like gives me it gave me chills when i got to it, it gave me chills when i got in the group chat it gave me chills again when i got to that part listening to my own book which is also just weird listening to your own book and being like man this is good <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, david can testify i did a really bang up job of black gum too mm-hmm. you did black gum oh man i gotta hear that yeah i'm trying to remaster it because i did it on an old um uh well i probably just should leave it alone it's not up to acx standards because i did it before i was even doing like this professionally i just uh i don't remember I, guess I just did it, I guess. Was I yeah. just fucking around? Um, I think so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I was just fucking around. So, uh, but I think it adds to that. To that book in particular, it needs to sound kind of lo-fi. Yeah, uh, it needs that, that kind of a, it's like a, like a CD you found under the couch. You know, that's like, that's what that needs. Yeah, yeah. That's what it feels like, too. It's like a good way to describe Blackham. When people ask me at uh, the Twin City Book Festival, if anyone lives in the Twin Cities, you can see me in a few weeks at the Twin City Book Festival, by the way. But if anyone comes up and they're like, what's this book about? I'll be like, uh, imagine just like pulling something out from your weed dealer's gross couch. That, that, that's this book. <laughs> and you're going to love it. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
And if that doesn't work, just sell it. I don't. I don't. I don't know what will. They'd be like, "Weed dealer, I don't smoke pot." <laughs> like, yes, get out! Do. Shut up! Yeah. <laughs> Is that your mom? Is that why you said that? Mm-hmm. Punk kids. Uh, but yeah, yeah. no, Glossolalia was so fucking good. Uh, I love the opportunity to narrate shit that is actually really good. That's part of why it took me so fucking long on the turnaround with that, really, yeah. because I was like, I would uh, I would go. I didn't want to keep making up excuses of why it was taking so long, but like, I would go stretches of just reading it and then be like, oh, shit, I'm supposed to be narrating this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love that. I think uh, uh, this is a this is what I think is a writerly trick with keeping books sort of like propulsive is doing really short chapters. Asalali has like crazy short chapters. There's a lot of chapters that are like one sentence long. It's probably too short. But I think keeping chapter. I mean, you guys do this all the time with your books. I think chapters that are under like 1500 words, it's a real good length for them. Because then it's like there's just that physical tactile feeling of like making progress, you know. It's like, you're like, man, mm-hmm. I'm just like flying through this book. I'm already on page like 50. Um, and I feel like that sort of like psychological uh, trick makes a book feel even more addictive than like the writing is necessarily. Cause you're like, you're like man, I'm burning through this book. Damn, this is good. <laughs> yeah. It's an aesthetic thing too. The, um, yeah. the fluctuating amount of white space on the page. Yeah. Um, especially in white like, space on the page. Yeah. Uh, especially in glossolalia where it has like uh well all three of us do this a lot where it'll be just a sentence or a small paragraph and there's a ton of just white space um and then it opens it up for you to do little bursts that are like just pages long yeah and because you're right it is psychological and it gives that propulsion because if you uh it, glossolalia is the same length no matter how you present it but if you just had right. like little section breaks and just kept it going if you took out the chapter breaks and it was just like fluid the whole way right it would be a different reading experience and it'd be harder to like sit through because yeah. you're, you're feeling like god damn it's still going yeah like uh so i i have a different book that's actually um like five thousand words longer than glossolalia but it is um, like a hundred page, a sh- hundred pages shorter, and it's because of that. It's like so. This book has, I think, seven chapters, and so it's just like there's just a lot of text in a row. You know, it's like every chapter is like twenty pages, basically something like that. Um, and so, even though it's longer than Glossolalia and would take you longer to just like read, uh, it just feels like longer because uh, it's kind of like. To me, I think of that as more of like an aggressive text. That that book is real fucked up. If you think Glossolalia is fucked up, wait till next year when this uh when I when I when I let this one out. It's about miscarriages and stillbirths. So oh damn, <laughs> be ready for that. So uh, talking about going back to pregnancy, when my wife was pregnant, I uh I would have nightmares that uh obviously of like things going wrong, but uh, I would have nightmares of her like dying all the time, um, which isn't fun but like my biggest nightmare was not just that she died but that she died and the baby lived which is like a fucked up thing to say but i uh felt like that would be somehow worse so be like now i just have to do this by myself (laughs) like yeah like what the hell uh 
So yeah, those are my nightmares. And that's kind of where the, this future book is coming from. I wrote it kind of uh, not that long after I wrote Glossolalia, maybe even the same year. That one also uh, has weird gods. That is that is a terrifying premise because I remember all the weird like um, paperwork that they bring to you in the hospital, which Erica mm-hmm. has no memory of. Because, you know, <laughs> she's on yeah. the epidurals and everything, and also the process of like you know just having a baby. But um, there's so much paperwork they bring the dude that like I remember one of the things was before going like getting on with stuff uh they explained it like sort of like if something happens like this is to um like prioritize the mother over the baby i'm like why are you even bringing this to me like duh (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's like i don't know it's one of those things where it's like you're if you're presented an impossible choice and you're just supposed to pick and it's like well i don't want either outcome it's like too bad because you're getting one of them and both of them are the worst it's like well all right but uh yeah so that's where i'm not i'm not i'm not i I haven't picked the title of this it's had a placeholder title for a really long time which is just miscarriages and stillbirths um that's like not a probably not a good title for a book such an inspiring (laughs) title to work you open up the document you're just like ah yes time to put down some words on miscarriages (laughs) and still (laughs) the book was actually really fun to write it's a i think it's kind of funny so like that book is a you guys know mf doom right oh yeah yes okay yeah i was like i was like are you serious right now (laughs) do you think this Um, So, uh, so that book, as much as it's inspired by like my fear of my wife dying, it's also uh, inspired by MF Doom. Um, so, like the main character, she's a she's like a an apprentice at this temple, um, but secretly she gets this iron mask made and she goes into towns, and uh, it's not called rap music because this is like you know a secondary world fantasy of like Bronze Age shit. But uh, she basically is going to places and rapping. And uh, yeah, so it's like kind of a subplot to the book. She's this apprentice at a temple, but she's also going around wearing this iron mask and rapping at different villages. I uh, fuck with this. <laughs> like instead of if, if, if the Mandalorian instead of was like a, some kind of bounty hunter uh-huh. thing is just going around rap battling villages. Yeah. Exactly, because like uh, I don't know, I, you know, you fantasy has like the characters who are like bards and stuff like that. And I was like, well, that's dumb. I don't want to like, I don't want her to like go around singing and like playing a lute. Who gives a shit? I was like, what if she was rapping? And uh, she's doing kind of like more like Razelle kind of rapping, where she's like beatboxing while she raps. Uh, so th- those are like fun things to write. It's kind of like so a lot of the book is basically her path to becoming a rapper and how her style developed and so she <laughs> it's funny that we're talking about this now um she's like an apprentice at this temple and uh at this temple at the center of it is the burning body of a giant that's been burning for like i don't know centuries as far as as long as anyone knows um and it's like a god so but gods are sort of like lodestones of power so like gods draw other gods to them and so all this like all these weird fucking things just start showing up um and they're from like really far away like these uh these people who kind of speak in sort of like a uh, like a beatboxing kind of way 
um, they come in the belly of like their god and their god is like you know like a leviathan and it comes up on shore and then dies and so they're just stuck there and they become like part of the life of the area but uh so it's like all these like weird experiences of different cultures like smashing into the world that she knows kind of influence how she becomes a rapper um then it's also about uh there's lots of scenes of uh stillbirths and miscarriages mixed in because because that that's what the kids like this sounds wild as shit (laughs) (laughs) i'm pretty sure we've shouted you out on this uh on the show before because we just kind of keep the the group the group chat is like a an omniscient character (laughs) in, in the agitator series uh but yeah you just be writing like a motherfucker just this this shit it's just like how we used to get like dave and i are finally breaking out of shit and just getting down to the nitty-gritty of it like we're actually we're craftsmen now but Uh when we were uh artistic divas about the shit it was like man i'm trying to find the inspiration or whatever and you're just out here like yeah this this next book has got this and that and there's like a god on fire who's been burning and this (laughs) trying to it's like damn like part of it is you know i I like dipped out of you know i dropped off the face of the planet in like 2016 and just uh it was good for my writing to not like thinking about publishing or anything so i i have like you know six years of books just kind of sitting here on my computer um and now i'm like i i should do something with these books so that's kind of why i reemerged from uh from the depths of cyberspace but uh, I, I'm kind of always getting ideas, you know? <clears throat> and so I had like what became that book with like mixing miscarriages and MF doom uh, is basically like I had, I, so it's like seven ideas became one idea. Um, my problem isn't like inspiration. I just like, I have stories like falling out of my ears. The problem is like finding time to do it. And what's kind of nice about that to some degree is uh because I don't get to things right away, it's like 10 ideas will pop up. I'll be like, oh, those are 10 different books. But then by the time I kind of like get closer to it, I'm like, ah, these 10 ideas are the same book. And I'll just like smash them together. It'll be wild, fun. Um, so that's kind of what that Emma, MF Doom novel is. <laughs> it's like a bunch of ideas becoming one idea. Um, even Glass of Lolly is like that. Like, you know, people don't think of, if you think of Visitor Q at all, like you're probably kind of a weird person, but you definitely don't think of like the Dao De Cheng when you think of Visitor Q. I just um, think of corpse rape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're you're still wet after. <laughs> oh no, it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like, and like, what's funny to me, especially about, I've always wanted to write like my own version version of Visitor Q for some reason. Probably because I saw that movie when I was too young, and it's like those kind of things scarred you yeah it's like you know this shit like burns deep inside and you're like i wish that wasn't there but since it's there i gotta do something about it um so like i actually don't really remember the specifics of visitor q but it's in me and uh i I hope i got it out by writing this book which uh, i don't i don't think it's that fucked up but uh i had someone who i asked to blurb it uh tell me she she like handed it back and she's like i don't want to read this and i was like all right <laughs> i remember that i remember that shit 
she was like oh it's just not it's just not for me uh but like what i love about these people is uh they love um who's that guy dennis cooper it's like you guys yeah, love right, dennis right. cooper or dennis cooper's describing like five-year-olds being dismembered and raped it's like yeah. <laughs> right He's or like, like you know they'll be like oh man hog by sam delaney that's my favorite book and you're like that's your favorite book and you thought this was too dark <laughs> Like yeah, that, I thought like, this was too dark. Meanwhile, like it's, you, like, it's like it's like I wrote a book. It's it's gonna blow your fucking minds. It's it's all aim chat. That book legitimately sucks. I was it I was, sucks ass. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious. Hello, everybody, yeah. welcome to Agitator. Yeah. <laughs> Today on the show, we're talking about Princess. <laughs> Princess Minor. Okay. This is our children's episode. It's because David's getting sleepy. I'm getting sleepy, so <laughs> you know what, I just started so, You know what's funny about this being a our children's episode is uh my older brother, he, he has, my nephew is like a year and a half older than uh, my kid, and they were sleeping over there one time. And my older brother, he he's never seen any Studio Ghibli movies, but he uh, he knows what they are. And so he was like, he was just flipping through them, and he's like, "Well, you guys have already watched Totoro and like this other stuff." He's like, "What about this one? Have you guys seen this one?" And uh, my nephew and my son were like, yeah. And he's like, all right. So he just like turned it on and then left the room to like go do whatever. And it was Princess Mononoke. <laughs> so like <laughs> this three-year-old and this two-year-old are just watching Princess Mononoke. And uh, I don't know, didn't bother him. But uh, it feels uh, like that's the way to go, though. I yeah. honestly think that. Like I, I want Gus to see this movie maybe maybe a year from now. Be two and a half. Feels it's like good. the right age. I've my son loves watched, monsters yeah i've watched this movie uh dozens of times this year with rowan um yeah because i actually it, think in, go ahead well like the the experience of it is kind of like i was questioning myself a bit through it it was a, it was a bit through the movie it was close to the end when he actually when he finally started getting freaked out uh, uh i think it was the wolf head or, or it might have been the boar bleeding because they linger on that for a long ass time. Uh-huh. He, he was getting kind of uncomfortable and he was like clinging to me and he had this yeah. like look on his face like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what um, are you doing to me? But I was like, nah, I think this is kind of good. Like, it's good for you to have a, have emotions. Like, you know, yeah. he, he wasn't like, I'm scared or turn it off. He was just like experiencing it, but he was like, what the fuck? Yeah, I think that's like, you know if if your kid's gonna deal with something like that it's like the way to do it i think is to do what you do it's just like just gotta ride this storm and like we're gonna deal with it we're gonna we're gonna talk about it if you need to talk about it, we're gonna figure it out but uh funny thing about my kid is like he loves monsters <laughs> we we were at the library uh like last week and he found this book called the atlas library. of Monsters. <laughs> yeah the library um he found this book called the atlas of monsters and it's a kid's book well in theory but yeah, it is awesome. It's like goes from continent to continent, has all kinds, you know, all the different monsters from them. <clears throat> so we've been reading that all the time. He's obsessed with it. But so like monsters never freak him out. So Princess Mononoke didn't freak him out or anything. He likes monsters. Things that freak him out. And like the reason he'll make me stop a movie is because like people are having interpersonal problems with each other. Like if if like yeah. the mom right. character gets mad at the child character he's like turn this off like i'm fucking done (laughs) (laughs) i get that that. inside out right 
yeah have you, for have example you shown, have you shown him that uh i think we got like not very far into it but like <laughs> okay like, so like that kind of shit yeah but like uh you get like moana he loves taka it's like you show him taka he's like hell yeah let's do this it's like that fire demon's gonna kill her. he's like yeah do it i love it um but like moana and uh maui get into a fight he's like i don't know about this movie man it's fucked up <laughs> 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 like they're not they don't like each other right now i don't like it turn it off so pure it's so yeah. pure. yeah but he loves monsters which uh i uh he loves halloween too so like chelsea and i are not halloween people i've like never been a halloween person me neither all these people um, who are like oh it's spooky season it's like grow up bitch yeah yeah but you uh suck. but because <laughs> oh, I, I got the big skeleton from home depot it's like okay cool yeah <laughs> but because our son loves it like we did we got that stuff like we were at target and we got like a big spider web like did you get the big skeleton no because uh because then like then you have to put it was all bought out by like 35 (laughs) hipsters who are like oh the spooky season but it's also it's like once you buy something huge like you have to you have to keep it somewhere like that's what i'm always thinking we were in lowe's today for grown-up shit like (laughs) and uh, like candy yeah <laughs> we went to love traps i go to home depot for, for fly traps yeah you you have that uh they had a display of the uh assault gun i have yeah. that i have the assault gun bro <laughs> what is that i it's literally a, own the assault gun i'm not kidding it's a salt shotgun you can shoot yeah. flies with it <laughs> it fucking works and it's fun <laughs> as fuck i'm not gonna lie like that's funny I'd be murking them bitches with the with my assault gun. I bought that shit at uh not at Big Five, but uh not Dick's. What's the other Academy? I bought one at Academy. I don't know what that is. You don't know what Academy is? Damn. We don't have Academy up here. No, nah, I guess not. We got Lowe's. We got they had they had that shit <laughs> like like they Come had on. the assault gun with like the candy at the checkout line. You yeah, know, like it's fun it was stuff. like the impulse buy. I saw that shit. I was like, I got it. I gotta get the assault gun. <laughs> it's like thirty <laughs> when I, bucks. When so I was a, fun. When I was a commercial painter, we used to go to like Lowe's and uh, Menards and Home Depot all the time. And I always just thought of it as like the place where I bought candy because we'd be like there for some reason. Our boss would give us like I don't know, like a hundred dollars mm-hmm. to buy shit. And I'd just be like, <clears throat> what if we spend like fifteen dollars on candy? Yo, Kelby, like, though, for did, Kelby, did you buy the assault gun or did you just see it? No, no, I, I, well, we didn't buy it. We were there. I, I don't remember. Oh, I brought up Lowe's because of the Halloween shit. Yeah, there were all these <laughs> big ass skeletons. Um, no, I was there to buy lumber and shit because I'm literally, I'm doing like major remodels to our house because we're having a second kid in our house. Bro, gets you an assault uh, gun. <laughs> keep the flies away. I'm, I'm dead serious buy that lumber while you're working on that shit you know you, you see a couple flies you're like Ka-ka-ow! and they <laughs> they fucking they spring up in the air and then they just like land because they're dead right the salt has killed them <laughs> i wonder if it'll work on these fucking roaches there's been like some mutated roaches and i brought this up to some other people too they were like, "Oh yeah, you can't kill those motherfuckers." I'm like, "Okay, so you know what I'm talking Have you about." You tried the you tried the peppermint shit, like the peppermint, the like spray. Yeah, I tried that. That don't work. The fucking like, I went full chemical warfare on these hoes, and they're still just like, "What, bitch?" <laughs> <laughs>
I don't know about these roaches. I, I, I do have roaches that I see occasionally. I spray them with the, with the peppermint and they die very quickly. Yeah. Everybody likes to pretend that Dow chemical is like a clean, <laughs> uh, like that it, they make fun of you when you're like, oh yeah, the plant, man. That's why everything's fucking, we got some weird ass fish and the water is tainted. And they're like, nah you don't understand the process of blah 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 like okay why do we got mutant roaches and shit like <laughs> uh, yeah. that's like the same thing up here with a uh, 3m <clears throat> 3m like poisons so much water up here it's a big lawsuit that's i think still ongoing but they just like they're just dumping shit in in like the water you know <laughs> so like thousands of people's drinking water just has like you know whatever the fuck in it stuff you shouldn't be drinking yeah no, this water will literally kill you. You cannot yeah. drink the tap water. Well, like uh, there's this there's a city here that has a uh, there's a few I'm cities different. that have I could drink it. <laughs> but they have like abnormally high rates of autism, and so uh, people are like I wonder if that's related to that. It's like well, probably it is. Like it's not just like a coincidence that a bunch of people you can make me have... more autistic. I'll drink that shit. Whatever. <laughs> you just gotta like no, you gotta immunize immunize yourself to it. Like uh. That uh, ancient person who started taking small doses of poison. Yeah, or that's like people... Rant, where he lets the snakes bite him, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shout... Oh, that's a good book. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think about this all the time when uh, Gus is eating or drinking whatever he's eating or drinking. I'm like, that's... Uh... <sighs> like, he'll be eating, like, peanut butter and jelly. And I'll think, like, hmm... Where'd this jelly come from? Yeah, it's like, and then you just kind of like, meh. I'm 35, almost 36, and I I made it this far, so he'll be all right. Yeah, well, that's like a so where uh, our kid used to go to daycare, um, they provided food, like they made all the food there. They were like, it's organic and stuff. It was, you know, the fancy people. Dude, it was they expensive. Grew it and everything. <laughs> yeah, probably, um, but. Uh, his new place, they're like, yeah, you got to bring his food. And it's like, oh, fuck. Um, it's way cheaper, which is nice. But then you're like, man, it's kind of nice to not have to do this. But it's really hard to avoid, like, packaged food for your kid when you just have to, like, you have to send them to school with something that's not going to, like, you know, rot in their bag. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, can you, like, are, are y'all going to microwave this? Yeah. <laughs> the... No, so, so with the, have you guys done the, the, the crustables? The crustables uh, are good. Uh-uh. Well, you can't do peanut butter either. Wait, what? Kids are allergic to peanut butter and they'll explode. Start on fire. Oh, oh the, the daycare is like... The, you're in one of the gay ones. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he went with like a granola bar that had peanut butter in it. At the end of the day, they were like, he can't have this. I was like, all right, I guess that makes sense. So like we give him peanut butter. And that would make we- me like un- unreasonably un... <laughs> just Dave, fucking mad. I would just be so mad if David will defend was like, peanut butter as hard as he'll defend like somebody threatening Rio. <laughs> like, one of the one of the first things I fed my kid, really, yeah. like human food, was peanut butter. Because I was like, you we're, we're I mean, not doing this shit. We're not like uh, you die or you eat peanut butter. Like it's it's that or the other. And like they've done studies on this. Like that is I like, the, the the reason why people have, are so deathly allergic to peanut. But to peanuts now is because of like the uh the keeping it away from kids 
They've done well, research. That's, on that it. was kind of like my whole like kid raising philosophy. It's like I have this this fifteen year old dog who's full of dander and is disgusting and shits and pisses everywhere, and I'm just like you know, yeah. I mean, let him pet the dog, whatever. Well, that's peanut like the butter, other thing. Let him eat the peanut butter. Uh, like get some tuna in him. Like yeah. just just expose him to all this shit. You gotta you gotta find it's an autistic cool. kid. And let him have a, pl- a sleepover or something, so that like <laughs> he becomes immune to that. Right, right. Well, I just kind of, I just kind of try to like put him around every potential allergen I can think of. It's like there. you're not, you're not going to be one of these people who's like, if I look at a peanut, I die. It's like, well, you should, you should be dead. <laughs> A peanut should not kill you. A peanut should not kill you. Like if if I, I bring that, I brought this up on the podcast before, but uh, you know there was this woman when I worked as a grocery checker, and she couldn't let her groceries touch the 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 belt. Yeah, know? because uh, peanuts might have touched that shit. And I'm like, you should probably just be dead. So it's like, where do you think peanuts go? Yeah. Like, do you think? Do you think when you're not here, I just like rub peanuts on this belt? I'm just bitter because we don't get peanuts on planes anymore. You know, now we Plane? get like garbage ass fucking pretzels or whatever. Yeah, those snacks. Suck. It's like, oh, because somebody might smell the peanut and then they die, and I'm like, ah, good. <laughs> Some people first. should die. <laughs> My very first plane experience was going to Europe. And so it was like, it was a Dutch airline and uh, it was pretty awesome. And everything after that, I've just been like, wait, this is, this is what flying is like. This is fucking garbage. Oh man. That's like, if you want to go on a nice airline, go on an Asian airline. You, you feel like a king, even sitting in coach. Everyone, everyone just, everything's great there. Cause you're taller than everybody. Well, for one thing, um, <laughs> no, but it's like, even in, in Korea, I'd be on like an hour long flight and they would serve you a meal, They'd like get in, get out. And it's like a good ass Korean meal. Um, it's like a full meal, full of stuff. It's got its own kimchi there. You're like, damn, damn, these people do it right. And then in, in an American flight, they're like, oh, no, we're only going to be up for an hour. So we're not even going to bring snacks or drinks. It's like, okay, <laughs> we're not even going to give you leg space. Yeah, <laughs> that's like I don't even think I'm that. You know, I'm not that tall. I'm like five uh, eleven, five. I don't know. I'm not six feet tall, but I'm almost six feet tall. Is I guess my height. Um, even I'm like cramped on an airplane. It's like how do how do people who are tall? I have a friend who's six like three. It's like how do you be a, how do you sit in an airplane? It's like oh, it just sucks. Like <laughs> 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 uh, my dad one time. Uh, he used to fly first class because he was a fancy boy. But uh, he was on this airplane with these two massive men in first class. And so he was like, he's like, are you guys like professional athletes or something? Like, oh, we're professional wrestlers. He's the undertaker and I'm Kane. And my dad was like, what? Because <laughs> at the time, we were, I was like 10. We used to watch wrestling a lot. It's like mm-hmm. we knew who the Undertaker and Kane were, uh, so that was that was a like badass story. That's a badass story to like <laughs> casually drop. Yeah, yeah. we got a. <laughs> it's, it's actually like really cool. 
<laughs> so, somewhere in my dad's house on a uh, on a napkin from an airline is their uh, their autograph. But uh, but it's like I feel like if you're that tall, you just have to fly first class, even if you're poor. It's like oh, I gotta spend five thousand dollars to go to Chicago. It's like why are you spending so much? It's like because I'm seven feet tall. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I have to fly the the giant class. Yeah, like like why don't you just get a regular seat? It's like I literally can't. I'm too big. All right, yeah. fellas, we got to wrap this up. No, not not finished. <laughs> I got more to say. <laughs> yeah, we got a lot more to say about Princess Mononoke. That's why we've been staying on track. I could, I could talk it. I could talk about Princess Mononoke. I mean, I would just talk about like, hey, we got to make the episode shorter. But whenever we have a guest, it's like, you know, we just talk. So. Yeah. Well, we, sh- you guys should read the Nausicaa manga. And then we'll talk again about Princess Mononoke and how Nausicaa, the manga, is the real Princess Mononoke. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's do it's that. I mean, it's Chexmith. Can you all hear it? Oh, yeah. Sounds some, crunchy. Some nice Peanut eggs. buttery, I bet. This shit is so good. <laughs> <laughs> we had, I was listening back while editing the. One, one of one of the last couple ones and i was like why do i sound like that i forgot i was like eating through half the episode <laughs> <laughs> i left yeah, my hungry. i left my snack upstairs well, i didn't leave it upstairs i ate it before i got down here it's like sometimes me and my wife will will make popcorn to like watch i don't know some show or like a movie not a movie some show and uh before the show even starts we've already eaten all the popcorn we're just like, then we're just sad kids watching our favorite show, being like, I'm gonna popcorn. Oh, yeah, yeah, my life is hard. I tell you, well, folks, <laughs> if you haven't, if you haven't watched Princess Mononoke, you're stupid. If you yeah, haven't, watch, but... watch it again and uh. Yeah, see what see see what I mean. See what, what you haven't bought. Mean? Edward J. Rathke, E. Rathke, Eddie Rathke's book, Glossolalia, you're also stupid. Yeah, we're yeah. going to kill you. Buy my book, watch Princess Mononoke, and eat peanut butter. Buy his book. God damn it. I mean, like, we live in an era where the shit that becomes popular book-wise is so diametrically opposed to what is it actually cool. And Eddie is one of the few people who, to my mind, synthesizes the the Protestant work that work ethic <laughs> of getting shit done. I was actually I'm so being lazy an interesting human being with interesting influences. So, yeah, if you don't have glossolalia, just fuck off. Stop listening to the show. I'll I fuck agree. with you. <laughs> yeah, go subscribe to the Patreon and stop listening and kill yourself. <laughs> Buy peanut butter. <laughs> kill, kill yourself, yourself with peanut, peanut butter. butter. Even if you're not allergic. Just yeah, drown in peanut it. Butter. If you're allergic, just eat a bunch of just get a big jar of Jif. Just, that shit. just drown in it. Fill your lungs with it. Homosexual. <laughs>